Wednesday edition of Smith and Jones. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Game day for the Toronto Raptors. So another busy day as we get set for the tilt against the Oklahoma City Thunder. The front night of the back-to-back for the Raptors coming off the win a couple of nights ago, which began the road trip in Charlotte, a three-game road trip. Toronto having won six in a row heading into the contest tonight against OKC. And Jonesy, lots swirling as well with the NBA trade deadline uh, coming fast and furious tomorrow. Nothing yet as far as the Raptors, but a whole lot going on around the league and starting to get a sense of what certain players or certain contracts might be worth value-wise based on other trades that have gone down. And one team that has been rumored, and again, it's just rumor, one team that has been rumored as a possible trade partner with the Raptors, at least in terms of what some people assume the Raptors might want and what some people assume might be available. The Indiana Pacers have come up a few times as a potential trade partner or an alleged trade partner, but they made another deal yesterday that had, well, at least me and you a little bit, I think, as well, our our guy, our producer, Mark Boffo, and, and many others around the league kind of scratching their heads as well. One of those deals where there were some good pieces, some very good pieces moving on both sides, and I kind of walked away with it, scratching my head, thinking like, all right, like the Kings got Sabonis, but the Kings gave up Halliburton, and they gave up one of the best three-point shooters in heel, but a couple of good young guards went the other way as well. Like is this kind of shuffling deck chairs and just kind of you know trading your pieces for my pieces? Like I'm trying to see who is the ultimate winner in this trade because normally you say – the team that got the best player wins the trade, but I don't love the fact that Sacramento gave up Halliburton. And then I look at what Sacramento has left still with, yes, a multi-time all-star in Sabonis, and they still have De'Aaron Fox, but I look at the team overall and go, okay, are the Kings really, though, that much better today than they were yesterday in making this move? I I, I don't know. I, I wonder, Eric, if it's uh, uh, I wonder if it's kind of a, a culture thing. I'm I'm surprised. What surprised me is that they they gave up on Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, that guy is. I, I'll never forget when you and I were doing the previous iteration of uh, Smith and Jones, and we had draft experts on before the draft a couple years ago, and we had mm-hmm. Seth Greenberg from ESPN, and they were talking about. And know, I think Fran Fraschilla said it as well. Yeah. Both of them said, they just flat out said, uh, I take Tyrese Halliburton number one. And and really, oh, he's projected like five, six, seven. I mean, he went way down the board, and he's turning out to be one of the better players from that draft class. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people are like, well, I didn't know he was available. Like, you know, it's all the people that were surprised at the trade, I didn't know he was available. Well, you could have drafted him two years ago. He was available then. You could have had him at the two years ago. And and then Sacramento turns around and trades him. Now, when I look at their payroll, part of me says that uh, the Kings are they just they, they wanted to they wanted to get off uh, they wanted to get off Buddy Healed. Twenty three million this year, twenty one million next year, nineteen million the year after that. And the guy, I mean, you watch his game. He's a, he's a shooter, and then there's not much else. Doesn't handle it particularly well in the in the open court. Doesn't play make. Sure as heck doesn't play any defense. And, you know, when the Lakers were talking about him earlier, with the other guys around to cover him up, to, like, we always say this, on defense, you can hide one guy. You can't be hiding two or three. Like, they'll sniff out one guy and go at him, and you can double and help and force the offensive guy a certain way, but you can't do that with two or three. Well, Buddy is a guy that you, when you have him, you you better help defensively. And yeah. so they got to be – Sacramento's got to be thinking, okay, we get off that contract. And I'm just, uh, I'm just going – looking back at the old-school way that the trades were made in the NBA. Okay. You take some of my crap, I'll take some of yours. Like, and I don't mean necessarily that in that way. Like, I got a bad contract I'm trying to get rid of. You need to take it, and all right, I'll take one of yours. Like, uh, and and maybe we can people 
it'll be a while before they catch on to you know which bad contract was worse and who took what and so I, I don't I don't get this. I mean, for Sacramento, I mean, you, you look at Tyrese Halliburton and like that kid's he's he's real good, he's real good, and he's locked up for another you know a few years if you're Indiana, and and I'm sure there are. And, and not sure. I know that there are many tax implications around trades, especially yes. now trying not to be a tax team. So, um, uh, you know, and maybe it's a culture move with Sacramento, too. Although I, I can't say trading Halliburton is a good culture move because he's a guy from all accounts that not only is he a solid player, potential future all star. You know, I've heard from many people around the team and around the league. He's one of those guys. He's like, he's Magic Johnson-esque. He's effervescent. People want to be around him. And, you know, a good teammate. So, I, I, you know, like everybody else, Eric, where we started, I'm shaking my head. Yeah. I'm... When it came through, I, I, I was I was very surprised. I mean, especially considering some... And, and, you know... I, Listen, you know this. The audience knows this. Takes two to tango. We always talk about got to give something to get something. I get all that. But we've heard so many other names coming out of Sacramento. That was the one guy I thought was, eh, I don't know if it's fair to say untradeable because you and I have said for decades nobody's untradeable. Gretzky got moved. Shaq got moved. Kareem got moved. Like nobody is untradeable. But of the players in Sacramento, I'm not surprised to see Heald go. I know Bagley is still looking to be moved. I wouldn't have been surprised if Fox went, even though I think he's a solid young player. But that's the one dude that I assumed, or I, I certainly thought, would not have been on the move. Like, I thought, if, if anybody's still standing when the dust settles in a, in a, in a Sacramento clear-out sale, it would be Tyrese Halliburton. So I was very surprised to see his name included. And I ended up at the risk of beating a dead horse. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm not giving... Sabonis enough credit, Jonesy, and and that seems strange to say because I think very highly of him as a player and his talent, and his skill level. I I know he's an all star, but I look and go, is he going to be the one though that turns around the Kings and makes uh, that much of a difference? I mean, if he wasn't doing it already in Indiana with a team that I think actually has some pretty decent talent, like the Pacers' record to me with their coach as well and a very experienced coach, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Like, And I'll admit, I have not watched enough of their games because I haven't wanted to watch much of their games. They haven't given me reason to want to watch them. But with the talent they have or had on paper and still have, I'm not saying that they're a top-four team, but I don't think they're, they're a team that I would have anticipated being third-last in the conference and 18 games below 500. So if... He wasn't able to get it done, and I know there have been injuries and everything else. I get all that. But if you're not able to get it done with, with you know, Holiday and Lamb and Turner and and Duarte and Brogdon, like, I, I, is it going to be that much of a difference for you then in Sacramento with, with Fox and Bagley and a bad Sacramento team that's, you know, in a, in a, in a tough conference, in a tough division that is sitting third last in the West? Like, is he going to turn you around that much? Uh, I, uh, not this year. <laughs> not this year. Um, and, and I think this is part of the, uh, you know, this is part of the let's start over again kind of attitude maybe in, in Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, take note, all ye who endorse tanking. Um, <laughs> there, You know, the poor kings, there they are again. Uh you know, headed for the lottery. Where would they be picking now in, in what, top five, top six? Like, it's it's uh, it's not good. And I, 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 I look, I like Sabonis too, and it's about maybe trying to get some pieces to work with him. I, I thought they had a good year, uh, not last year, or not this year, but last year. They, they had it. Sabonis was an all-star. Uh, they were in the play-in. Like, I, I think they were they were building something. And then... They go ahead and make a coaching change, and there you go. That's in itself, uh, you know, part of a rebuild. New coach, new system, needs to get the right players in to get the system uh, going. It, there's probably three years right there 
Uh, better hope the coach has a five-year deal and not a three-year act. <laughs> and, and, and away you go if you're Indiana. Uh, I mean, realistically, what's, what's next for them next year? The playoffs or maybe a round? And then you keep building it and hope that it's somewhat linear and you keep stepping forward. But both of these teams, you might be right, Eric, when you say shuffling the deck chairs. I just, uh, they're looking for freshness, some kind of start, something that might, might jumpstart them, give them a kick. Now, here's the other thing, too. Let's look at it from an Indiana side of things. What exactly are they doing? Because they get a good young player. Like, we just finished hyping and, and, and pumping up Halliburton, and justifiably so, for the last five minutes. And it's good that they add him. But now you've taken out of your front court an all-star forward, an all-star big, a walking double-double. Who plugs and plays into that spot now? And is this then the start of maybe not a fire sale, but other moves to come, which certainly makes Raptor fans peak up because as I started the show talking about the rumor mill at least, one of the teams that has been rumbled has been put out there as a potential, potential landing spot for a trade with the Raptors, the Indiana Pacers, and maybe Miles Turner. So if you're willing to give up one big, are you willing to give up the other? Or is it more the other way? Hold on a second. No, we can't afford to give up our other big, the versatility and the the um, you know the multi-skill set that, that, a, that a Miles Turner has because we just gave up our all-star forward in Sabonis. Like, I, I'm not sure what to think now because I don't know who plugs and plays into that spot that Sabonis now vacates. I don't know either. I don't. And, um, and now what do you do with Miles Turner? I, I still believe if they're in teardown mode like this, uh, that they, you know, something happens with Miles Turner. But, I mean, Halliburton, Brogdon, Turner, uh, you know, they got some, uh, like Duarte, they got good role player and a guy like Torrey Craig, a guy can shoot a little and Justin Halt. Like, you look at the pieces like, okay, do you really want to get rid of Miles Turner now? Like, what, what happens there? I, and, and I'm with you. I kind of not sure what their direction is, although I, I'd, I'd be willing to sit back and let it flush out a bit and not rush to judgment on, mm-hmm. oh, they must be doing this or they must be doing that. It's one of those where I'm just going to sit and watch for a bit to see if I can figure it out because maybe there's mo- more moves to come. And as I said, really, if you're a team that's out of it, uh, you're in planning mode. And, and direction, what direction mode from now until, well, the draft and free agency in June and July. That, you did say that's you what did I, say what direction mode, not one direction mode, right, Jonesy? We're not getting all pop yes. on you. You know, you're not, no, okay, no, okay. no, what no. Direction what, okay. what, what direction mode? What direction? Okay, just want to be know, clear on that. Uh, yeah. Pointing in a direction. Uh, sometimes you think you're pointing in the right direction. It looks like a Bugs Bunny cartoon where right. everybody's pointing in every different direction. So, so Jonesy, we're talking about we're, we're talking about Harry Giles, not Harry Styles. Yeah, if, 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 if <laughs> you like that, if, come if, on, that was pretty yeah, good, like wasn't that. it? Come on, come on. I like that. If is, is, where where is Harry Giles now? I'm, I think he's he playing. Play I think he's playing uh, with the Clippers <laughs> in the G League. I think. I think. <laughs> Who he play for? And, there, yeah. and there's an, there's another example, folks. Oh, Tank, get a high draft pick. Harry Giles, do I believe, was he not a Sacramento Kings draft pick? Yep. A high Sacramento Kings draft pick? I, I'm, yep. I'm going to fire up Google, E. I'm pretty sure he's with uh, the Clippers G League team, I think. I think. If I'm right on that, then I need a little bit of love on the who he played for. Can't remember what yes. the hell the name of their yes. – is he? Yes, he is with the Clippers G League team. And uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm, I'm going to go to Google here, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yep, he was a – Oh, he was definitely a Sacramento pick. No, no, he was a Portland pick traded Sacramento, right? Uh, Wait, Lance is saying is. Portland. So what, he was drafted by Portland but then traded to Sacramento. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. So they thought they got they were getting something with him, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, he, they, they wanted to draft him, but they didn't 
but so let's make the trade. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. Lanzo within the headset. They wanted Harry Styles, but instead they ended up getting Harry. Good, good one. We're keeping on the Harry Styles here. I don't know how we got on Harry Styles, but now I feel like it's going to be a theme for the rest of the show here. Um, all right, how do we steer this back? I don't. I'm, I, I, I like to think I'm the king of the segue. I don't have one here, Jonesy. Let's bring it back to the Raptors. Bobby Webster, general manager of the uh, Toronto Raptors, uh, spoke to the media yesterday. And listen, I love that the team does this. Teams around the league do this, giving you know writers and broadcasters and whatever fans, I suppose, through the media access to the GMs before the deadline, getting a sense of what might happen. But really, is any general manager going to say anything, really? Like, they're not going to come out and reveal secrets or give you the game plan of what might happen. Um, but again, it's still very nice that they're made available. Bobby Webster, Jonesy, yesterday talking about Toronto's deadline strategy. I think if, you know, two, three weeks ago before we kind of came together, I think we we might have had a different conversation, but I think we're um, cognizant of what the team looks like now, but we're also realized that it could go the other way. So I think there's, you know, a sense of, of optimism, but also um, I think obviously with the way, you know, players are growing and playing together, I think probably suggests less of a major move. Um doesn't mean we don't get those calls and we're not talking about them. Um, but I think the, the good vibes of the current group, uh, you know, hopefully bodes well for the future. I can see that. You know, it's kind of what we've discussed over the last couple of days, right? You, you, you're playing well right now. Your core is getting it done. Um, so why would you risk a major splash move that involves one of those core pieces to shake up something that's working? It's more about... Uh, turning in some of your uh, movable assets and trying to turn those into something as opposed to taking one of your proven assets and dealing them for another proven asset and hoping that the chemistry works with said new player, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the devil you know, right, is better yeah. than the devil you don't. And and I, I'm I'm with Bobby Webster, and we've said this wholeheartedly. This is a... Uh, you don't want to burn too many of the good years off, you know, Fred and Pascal. But this is a kind of a, and I wouldn't even say rebuild. It's a growth year. You know what you have. It's not like you uh, are reaching for stuff to see like your, your Portland or, or, or New Orleans or, or, you know, or Sacramento. And you're rebuilding you're reaching for stuff to okay let's get this let's get him let's get him let's get him all right let's see how this goes the raptors are past that they have fred they have pascal they have og you know uh, he's on an expiring deal but 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 chris boucher had his hands on the trophy too they they know that and those guys are known commodities of course with room for improvement now you get Scotty Barnes. Okay, we got Gary Trent Jr. It's not a classic rebuild the way some of the other teams have it. This is more of a growth year for Toronto. And they have started to grow. Second six-game win streak of the season. And, and, and it threatens to get longer in the next two, three nights. But they are... They are on a different continuum, a different path, uh, a theme, theme, a different direction than some of the other uh, clubs that are out there. So let this group keep growing together and don't don't take it apart or don't try to tinker with it. See how far it goes. See what's really good. See what's really needed. And then you can make adjustments or, or trades uh, you know, at the end of, at the end of the season, if you don't win the championship, and even if you do, you're going to make some changes there. But um, it, it, Toronto's in a different spot, so I I couldn't agree with Bobby Webster more. And if nothing's done, all the Toronto uh, trade people out there that want you know a, a bag of gold for uh, you know a bucket of sand, that's not happening. It's not going to happen. This is the team that they're they're working on, and just be patient. I will say I agree with everything you just said, but I'm going to nitpick one little point. I think when you say if nothing's done, there will be some frustration, I think, from the fans. And I would guess, maybe I'm wrong, 
I would guess frustration qualifier, in the front qualifier. office. Okay. Get rid of Dragic. Do something yes. with Dragic. Thank you. Don't get Thank hold. You. Don't get held holding that bag. Don't get right. stuck because, holding that bag. And, and that's why I was saying, I'm, I'm assuming, and I might be wrong with this, but I'm assuming there would be even frustration within the front office because if they were still left holding that contract and thus put in a position where they're now buying out, so still having to pay and not able to turn, in, turn him into an asset of some kind, even a, even a pick, a second-round pick in 2040, at least it's something as opposed to having to buy the dude out and pay the money still, that's where I think there would be some frustration if nothing at all happened. you you, you, you got to do your best to try and unload Dragic somewhere for something. Agreed. Agreed. And, I mean, there's probably people out there, probably people out there that are willing, uh, willing to take them. Um, I mean, it would be a shame for, to let that contract expire and nothing be done. Um, and I just hope that the Raptors didn't miss the window when he was actually here and playing a little bit, or at least with the team, that that could have been done. Other, other than that, I, I'm okay with standing pat going forward. Yep, yep. I, I agree with that. And uh, on that very topic, Goran Dragic, his future, more from Bobby Webster. Sure. Yeah. You know, just going back to the start, we've always had a pretty good line of communication with, with Goran and, and his representative. Um, and even before he, he left here, uh, you know, Masai and myself sat down with him and got a sense and we're having those conversations today. So, you know, they're not, uh, you know, revealing a ton, but I think um, they kind of know the, the game we're in and the writing on the wall. And I think they'll probably keep those, those cards close to their vest as far as, what's an ideal outcome for them, but they realized as a, you know, fairly large expiring contract that just has, you know, some it greases deals in the NBA, which is, is the name of the game this week. It's a good way of putting it. It's an absolutely great way to put it. I wonder Jonesy, we'll probably never know the answer to this, never know the truly, truly 100% honest answer to this. But I wonder if in a private moment, Goran Dragic and his reps at any point in the last couple of months and certainly in the last few weeks, if they've sat back and said, man, we really screwed this one up. Like at the beginning of the year with all the, you know, stuff, there's a better word I want to use, but all the stuff that started with the comments made to media overseas about, you know, not wanting to be in that situation and wanting to be in a different situation, then trying to put all of those to rest and try and smooth it over, then showed up at camp and was nothing but a pro and a, and a good dude and somebody that everybody seemed to get along with, veteran players, young players, they all liked Goran. I, I got nothing personal to say against the guy. I've got no beef with him. He starts the season, has a chance to literally start the season for, start, for, uh, for the Raptors starting, struggles a bit, comes off the bench, struggles a bit, poof, gone. And an agreement made, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, little handshake between management. And here he is listed every night on the injury report, not with team. And lo and behold, we're now a week away from the All-Star break, and the Raptors are staring down the barrel of a potential seven-game winning streak tonight, still sitting as the sixth seed, locked into a playoff spot right now in the Eastern Conference, and Dragic has not been a part of this. And you're telling me he wouldn't want to be a part of this right now? You don't want to be a part of a 29 and 23 playoff team that's in the midst of a six seven game winning streak, like I would assume you would sign up right now to sure. be a part of that team, no matter who it is. So I wonder if he would ever admit, yeah, you know what, we didn't play this one right. And heck, the Raptors could use him right now, right? Like as well as they're yeah, playing, yeah, they could. He'd be exactly yeah, what they, they could they, use right now. A, a veteran who understands what to do, um, plays hard. Like I, like I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't get it in that here he is coming from Miami. He obviously never wanted to leave Miami. And um, let's let's take the weather and put it off the table. Okay, let's let's take that, because if not Miami, he could have landed in oh Indiana or, you know, he could have landed in Utah or Minnesota or somewhere like that. He did. He landed in Toronto. But everything else aside. You look at the similarities, and, and again, we've had many people say this. Everybody talks about heat culture. Well, you know what? There's, there's Raptor culture, too. And it's a, a, a good organization 
they do things the right way with their players. They know how to win. They've, they've, they've won a championship more recently than Miami, even though the Heat was in the championship game, uh, series in the bubble. Uh, to me, again, I look back with a huge asterisk on, on that championship. Sorry, LeBron. Uh, maybe two or three of them because of the, the, the circumstances in which those playoffs were played. But why wouldn't you want to come to Toronto? Why wouldn't you want to play here? Uh, playoff team, a tough, going to be a tough out. Guys that play for one another, they play hard. No, you know, outwardly no, no, no divas, no, no prima donnas on the team. Like, why, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that? Especially if you're, if that's what you're about too, as a, as a, you know, 15, 16 year player or 13 year player, whatever he is in the league. Why wouldn't you want to be about that in your, in, in your, in your waning days in the NBA? I don't get it. I don't get it. And I, I, I would agree, Eric, that in a private moment, he might say, dang, now what? Okay. So you get, a, it, it, so he gets the best case scenario. He gets bought out and he goes to play with his countryman, Luca in, in, in Dallas. And he's half a season, three quarters of a season behind by that time. And who knows what happens to that chemistry if he gets in there. And I just, I just picked Dallas because that was what everybody was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he didn't like the, uh, or at least at the time, didn't like what he thought the long-term future might be, the long-term plan for the Raptors. But that certainly seems to have changed with how the Raptors have played over the last couple of months. Again, I say over the last couple of weeks especially. And here is Bobby Webster on that very topic, the long-term plan for Toronto. It goes both ways, which is we're happy, I think, in talking to the players. They really believe in themselves. They believe in this team. They're happy with the growth. I think they're getting more comfortable playing with each other. Um, and, you know, that's a credit to, to obviously Nick and, and, and that group kind of figuring it out here. Um, but, yeah, I don't I think as soon as you zoom back and, and take kind of the one, two, three kind of year picture, um, that hasn't changed for us. Right. And it's building a championship team, um, finding pieces that fit not only in the short term, but obviously long term if, if uh, we you know build a contending team again. So I think that's. You know, the same principles are in play, maybe around the edges as far as what you may do, you know, on Thursday is slightly affected by it, but not much. There is Bobby Webster, general manager of the Toronto Raptors. Again, his uh, comments uh, speaking with the media in a press conference yesterday as the Raptors, uh, among every other team in the league, staring at the NBA trade deadline tomorrow. Uh, and it is also game day for the Raptors today and tomorrow. Tonight in Oklahoma City against the Thunder. Then tomorrow on the back-to-back against the Houston Rockets. Jonesy, lots to discuss with our guest, Alvin Williams, who will join us next. Alvin Williams Wednesdays on Smith & Jones. Everything you need to know about all things Raptors. The Raptor Show with Will Lou. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate, review, and share as well. Joining us on the line for his regular weekly visit, former Toronto Raptor, longtime NBA vet, current Sportsnet Raptors and NBA analyst, our colleague, our friend Alvin Williams. Alvin Williams Wednesdays. Al, thanks for the time as always. What's up, guys? How are you? All good, Al. Doing All well, good. Al. Hey, Hey, Al, what, what was this day like, or were these days like as a player, a couple of days before and certainly day of the trade deadline? Oh, man, a lot of anxiety, nerves, nerves are flaring. But I think, I think it depends who you are. There's excitement as well. I think um, sometimes as a player you're looking to get traded or you're looking for a different situation. Sometimes you get the information prior to it becoming public, so – there's a lot of anxiety. I've seen guys fake injuries so they wouldn't get traded. I've seen guys, you know, already have their locker packed up, not, you know, just anticipating they were going to get traded and not get traded all to, you know, have to unpack. So, you know, you're seeing a lot of different things during these times, but it's definitely an exciting but anxious time, you know, if that trade deadline. Al, um, 
what what what's the reaction like in a in a locker room when either way you say a guy's packed up and it eventually happens or you're you're kind of hit in a big surprise by wow they traded him or uh heck it 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 happened with you like I got traded like what take us take us through that <laughs> being a teammate of somebody who's on the way out and then actually being traded yourself man I, I remember actually when Mark Jackson was traded if I if I have the story right he and I were together and we heard it on the radio together and saying that he was traded or Toronto was trading him to New York for Chris Child and I want to say we were we were together in the car and that's how I remember that news being you know delivered to Mark I don't think it was his agent or but it was something of that nature and it was just like you sit up you sit there in shock you don't know what to say especially when it takes the other person by surprise or you know Mark wasn't even here a full season it was halfway through the season his first year so that was a surprise. I remember being traded from Portland after being told I wasn't going to get traded. I wasn't going anywhere. And back then we had beepers. And I remember going to get my beeper activated. And the lady came back and I gave her my name for, you know, the application and everything for the beeper. And she's like, well, you were just traded. And I was with Rick Brunson. <laughs> and that's how I found out I got <laughs> traded through the beeper store. So you just never know. <laughs> you, you never know when it's going to happen. And then, you know, you guys were there. I got traded when I was in Detroit. I was on the bus on my way to the game, and Ray Chow came and got me off the bus. And Butch was in a hotel lobby saying, um, you and Sean Marks have been traded to Boston, only to be get to get sent back because of, you know, the trade getting rescinded, me failing the physical. So there's so many different things that I've experienced during that trade deadline where nothing surprises you. And you start realizing, depending on the maturity of the team and the experience of the team, that is truly a business. And you truly can't plan for it if if the team decides to make that decision. Okay, Al, two things. One, one, you know, like you you're 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 to me, you're you're kicking butt with the broadcasting thing. But but you made one minor mistake right there. We gotta retell the story here. We gotta re ask the question. Because when you tell the story, it would have been the perfect promo to cut. If it was, we were listening to the radio, and of course it was the fan, and we heard on the fan that, that see, that's where you miss the boat out. Those little moments, you know, you, even if it's not true, all these years later, nobody would have known. Al, come on. Anyways, I digress on that one. You took the you took the question or the story out of my out of my out of my mouth out of my brain though. Maybe we can dig a little bit deeper. I know you've told me or told us this story. Uh, in a little more detail in the past, but let's dig into it a bit. What was that experience like for you being dealt to only find out you fail a physical and you're headed back to Toronto and now you got to go back to the team that just dealt you away? And as much as you said, yeah, you realize it's a business, that had to be a little bit tough thinking, man, that like, did they not want me or is it that, well, they still wanted me, but you got to give something to get something and they really wanted Danny Fortson, so it's not personal, so I'm okay coming back? Like, how was that, Al? Because that that had to be kind of awkward. No, it was it was really weird. It was it was weird from beginning to end. I I got a call that you know my agent called me when I was in a room saying that you know you probably will get traded today. But you know I'm all the way. I, I'm waiting all day to hear something. I didn't hear anything, and then I'm on the bus going to the game, and then I get the news that I got traded. But it was one of those situations where I wasn't playing that much, and it was one of those things where I thought it would be a good opportunity if I had a, a new start for another team. So, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest playing situation for me at that time. And just getting traded, then I went to get traded, and I got traded, got to Boston, and had to take I think three MRIs in one day. They tried it was two MRIs in one day on both knees, and they tried to do a third one, and I was like, you know, I'm spent. I can't do another one. So I went home. And that's when Glenn Grumwald called me and said, hey, I got I got good news and bad news. What you want first? And I said, the bad news. And he said, well, you felt the physical. So I was like, well, what's the good news? And he said, you come back to Toronto. And when I got back to the locker room, the team was so cool. Kevin Willis. I remember Kevin Willis, Oakley. And we had one of the biggest team meetings that season, like right after that. And they all had my back. You know, they had my back and just just having just knowing how uncomfortable it could be. But it really wasn't that uncomfortable because I wasn't playing anyway, but the team was still cool. So I loved the locker room. I loved the guys. So it wasn't that uncomfortable. It wasn't like I went from playing 
to getting traded, and then I came back and I wasn't playing at all. I just still wasn't playing, but the team was still there. So nothing really, it really, truly nothing changed. Al, Al give me your thoughts on, because um, I have mine and I've made them public. I think people looked at, and with, with Rick Pitino coming in and doing, let's say, some unconventional things in Boston. I mean, like NBA teams don't press and like the stuff that, he, you know, same, <laughs> some of the stuff that he did with the Knicks that, that works in the college game, but it doesn't work at least for long periods of time in, in the pro game. My feeling was that he, he, got, he got you, he wanted to play a certain style, he recognized, geez, I don't know about this, and he got, Boston, the organization got scared and said, okay, no, you know what, let's go back to where we were before. Let's, let's get a do-over. Like, Al, your knees weren't that bad because you were able to play. Like, so I, yeah. I, I guess what I'm asking you is what's, what's your thought on, on why the trade was – I mean, anybody can – you can – you can. the NBA is such that you can have anybody fail a physical almost whenever you want for some nominal reason – and get the trade called off. I think they, they got yep. scared. That's just my feeling. No, nah, I mean, I, I think that was the case. I think there's some other things that I'm not I'm not privy to, I don't think. But it, it's, it's interesting, a lot of that dynamics of um, when, I, when I got traded to Boston and when I got traded to Toronto. A lot of things happened with that, you know, and it's a common denominator with that. But when I first got traded to Toronto, the first thing they looked at was my, were my knees. Right, they looked at my knees, and after playing, I just had a career high against the Phoenix Suns that up to that. And as soon as I got to Toronto, they started looking at my knees, and they put me right under the knife. Right, and I had to sit out when I first got here. They tried to get that trade, you know, rescinded. And then when I went to Boston, same type of actions happened. Same, looked right at my knees, and I think there's an underlying factor in that situation that I, I don't want to speak on publicly but we'll talk about that off air but that was that was something else and once again it's the business of it it's, it's, it's truly the business of it because as you mentioned i've seen people get traded you know hurt on ir they've been traded so I've, I've never understood that piece of failing a physical and that being used against the trade or preventing a trade to fully be executed Speaking with Alvin Williams, Alvin Williams Wednesdays here on Smith & Jones. Al, uh, we spent a good deal of time off the top of the show trying to figure out uh, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong of the trade yesterday involving the Sacramento Kings and the Indiana Pacers. Both sides got something, and we're a little bit surprised maybe that the Pacers moved Sabonis. We're even more surprised that the Kings moved Halliburton. We're not sure if Sacramento's that much better with Sabonis. We're not sure what Indiana does in their front court now without Sabonis, but they got a great young piece in Halliburton. Like, what was your sense of this trade? And a lot of the trades so far, it seems like I've been scratching my head saying, like, especially Portland, too. Like, what, what, what's happening here? I'm not, I'm not understanding some of the deals that have gone down, let alone not even some, most of the deals that have gone down. Yeah, I, you, sometimes you look at the organizations or you look at certain people behind the trades, and it's like people are just doing things to do things. I really don't. And once again, it's so hard to get a gauge. Unless you're in those rooms and, and you're privy to those conversations and the outlook of why a trade is being executed or why it's, why it's being put on the table, then it's truly hard to really talk about it and you know with full confidence. But like you mentioned, it's, it's hard to see Sabonis bringing any value to a struggling Sacramento organization and for anything short-term or long-term. I do like Halliburton. I like him as a young player, and it could be something where Indiana's trying to go younger, realizing that that big, that big man is not something that's going to you know, sustain for their style or how they're trying to play. So it, it truly depends, but I don't see anything. I don't see any side getting much better um, moving forward from those, those trades. And as well as Portland as well, it's just hard because you're trying to you're trying to create space and you're trying to create things for Portland for Damian Lillard and put a surrounding cast around him. But I don't see how that I don't see how many people really want to truly go to Portland and play, right? And I don't know what what would you put next to Damian Lillard to make that organization become that much better than what they've already been. And but I do think you had to make a move with the C.J. McCollum thing like quickly. But you see, they you know they got really Norm Powell as well, so they're definitely trying to put things together to to help to help Damian Lillard when he comes back full throttle. 
But I do like Kyle, Josh you've been Hart. Around front I, like, I like Josh Hart. Go ahead. And no, I was saying I do like the addition of a Josh Hart being that glue guy and being someone that's bringing toughness and know how to play the game. So I do like that. But once again, how much better do you truly get when you're in the West and, and you're, trying to, you're trying to put a monster team together? Al, put your front, front office hat on as you had it on briefly years ago. Uh, when trade discussions are happening, and this is something I think that is lost a lot of times with the average fan, um, how much does the business side overrule the personal side where there are thoughts about a guy's family or kids or anything like that, or is that just, that's null and void? Hey, man, this move's going to help our team. Uh, you know, sorry for the guy's family or kids or whatever is going on in his personal life, but we need this to be a better organization. Yeah, I've never witnessed the personal side, you know, taking precedence over a decision. It's always been business. You know, it's been cap space. It's been an opportunity for, you know, maybe there's a player that's the superstar of the team and it's somebody that they may want, right? They may feel like they're they're doing a favor by keeping somebody or getting rid of somebody to make sure to have the best player on the team or the most influential person on the team is happy. That that's been done. But yeah, it's it's typically all business and, and which is understandable as well. So it's it's once again it's creating cap space. It's making a push for that next move. You look at it, DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard, you know, if you took a personal approach with that, there's probably no way that DeMar DeRozan would ever be moved. But it was something that was best for the organization. And to come to find out, it was it was because, you know, the champions, they won the championship from that. So it's, it's never that piece. Of, it's rarely that piece, I should say, that personal, that personal relationship where you're thinking about family, you're thinking about kids, you're thinking about relocating, you're thinking about the emotional side. Because once you start doing that, you stop doing what's best for the organization, I believe. So, And there's other people you have to answer to with that that may not have those personal relationships with that individual. So it's a very tough discussion if you try to go off of personal relationships and emotion. So it has to be strictly business. Speaking with Alvin Williams, Al, do you think the Raptors will do anything before deadline tomorrow? Man, you, you're, you're talking about Bobby and Masai. You, you, you never know. You just never know what they have baking. I, I do believe that the Raptors are in a great position once again, and it's been, it's been you know the common theme. Players are very talented. They create it. I think everyone in this roster now have shown value, have created value for themselves where they can be moved, and not just to be moved, just to be moved. They can be moved to help not just their career but the team as well. So the Raptors are in a great place as well as they are making a great push. Now, is it the, the type of push that you need for a championship? Uh, I'm not sure. But the players are playing their butts off. The team is gelling. And what with, with the Raptors would need is more, I think, more of an extensive bench and, and, and something like that. But I'm not sure what they would do. But once again, they have players on this team. At least five to six players, seven players, have created a lot of value throughout the league that they definitely could be entertained to being traded. Al, you talk about the bench, and we know that once you get into playoffs, the bench gets shortened. There's no back-to-backs. You've usually got a couple days in between games. Um, I I think you're probably talking bench to get you through to the end of the regular season, right, and and give some minutes to try and save some of the the wear and the mileage on, on a Fred or a Pascal or an OG like that because once you get to playoffs, I mean, it, you play, you ride your best players. Yeah, no, for sure. You, you ride your best players. and But I, I do believe from that, you know, five to eight, and if you think about, you know, when the Raptors won a championship and go back to that year, you have a Serge Ibaka coming off the bench. You know, you have a, a, a Fred coming off the bench. And these guys are players that were playing 25, close to 30 minutes a game coming off the bench. And you could put them in different lineups. You could you could change up your lineups. You could go traditionally big with Serge and, and Marcus Ole playing, or you can go smaller. You can do a lot of different things. You have those role players that that you can rely on. They can guard, 
and they can score the basketball and make decisions. Those are the type of players that you want to you want to have, you know, even coming into the playoffs. And you're right, the bench does get shorter, the minutes, but the Raptors are already taking that approach. The bench have become shorter, shorter, and they're relying on their top guys, and that's why they're making that push. Like I was looking at the last game, you see their top five guys. They're taking the bulk of the shots. I think the next largest shot, most shots uh, off the bench was three or four shots. So your best players are taking the most shots. They're playing the most minutes. They're creating the most opportunities. And that's what it is right now. And I think Nick Nurse has done a great job of recognizing that and just riding with it. And I think that's what they have to continue to do as long as this is the lineup and roster they had. Uh, Al, I was about to let you go, but I'm going to read something that, that came through just briefly here. And I don't know if you've got any take on it, but uh, uh, Keith Smith, who covers the NBA and he covers the, the Sixers quite a bit as well, sounds like rival teams think a deal between Brooklyn and Philadelphia may be getting close. One team telling Smith they've kind of put other talks on hold. If that deal finally happens, then the floodgates will open around the league for a lot more to happen. Yeah, it's, listen, mm-hmm. it's one man's one man's opinion. It's interesting. Uh, um, any thoughts on that, Al? If, if if like, do you do you see that blockbuster type deal going down? With I'm assuming maybe Harden and Simmons and something significant going down between the Nets and the Sixers. I mean, you've been hearing about it for a minute. It's it's been that trade, and even prior to James Harden coming to Philadelphia, I mean, coming to New York. Brooklyn, coming from Houston, they were talking about a possibility of him going to the Sixers. So Darren Morey really likes, you know, James Harden. So I'm not sure how how that will come about. Although James Harden is a free agent this year, I want to say, and it would be really risky of trading for James Harden and him not, you know, signing with the Sixers again. And you really still want something with with Ben Simmons. So it's, it's difficult, but I do agree with once a lot of those decisions are made, the floodgates do open. And now things are being moved and the people are being moved around. So it's interesting, man. It's going to be really interesting for the next day. So so we'll, we'll wait and see. Al, appreciate the time as always. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Al. There is Alvin Smith. Williams. Yes, sir. If I'm Daryl Morey and I want James Harden that badly and I'm mm-hmm. determined to put Ben Simmons in purgatory, keep him in purgatory. I just wait till free agency and I throw everything at James Harden. What if you don't Uh, get him? If, if your relationship with him is that good and he knows you're trying to get him here, maybe he holds you over the bag a bit, but you, uh, you're, you're going to get him. You're going to get him. Hmm. And then, See, I'm wondering, though, if you're this close to a championship potentially with the season that Embiid's having and you can actually turn a guy yeah, that's doing yeah. nothing for you right now into an asset, into a major asset, and add James Harden to your team? Woo. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I can count on one hand the number of teams that have made a trade at the deadline and won the championship. True, true. I can count them. The Toronto Raptors with Marcus All. The Pistons with Rashid Wallace and the Rockets with Clyde Drexler. That's it. Okay. Well, we'll talk more about that next hour, Joe. Yes, 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 yes. More to come on Smith & Jones. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. And while you're at it, make sure you're on YouTube checking out the NBA Stock Report with our man from ESPN, Tim Bontemps. Tim, thanks for the time as always. Appreciate you guys. How you doing? All good, Tim. I uh, saw you standing up in your mask yesterday talking about the trade, and it probably hit your, the expression on your face like, what the heck? <laughs> in I mean, that, in that, uh, in that in, I just need a damn trade to happen. Okay, I just need a trade to happen. I'm stuck in <laughs> Philadelphia for the next two days now. I can't go home see my wife. I would like a trade to happen, and for all of us to be able to move on. That's what I would like. 
<laughs> All right, well, let me ask you then. Do you think a trade will happen? You want one to happen, but do you think one will? I mean, who knows? I, I think that's really the only accurate thing anybody could say, right? I, I would guess it's more likely than not that it happens. Uh, but there's, as you guys know, a, a deal like this happening has a lot of moving parts involved, right? And there's a lot of animosity involved in this situation for a million reasons. Uh, you know, Daryl Morey is certainly an interesting guy to negotiate deals with. You know, we'll see how that goes. So there's there's a lot of stuff in play here. But I, I think when you look at the way the situation is trending. I think it sort of makes sense for everyone to do something now. And, you know, now it just remains to be seen if uh, that's the way this is going to go or if this story, which is dragged on for months and months and months, is going to uh, go all the way into the summer and, you know, just continue to cause all sorts of issues. Tim, we were talking about it, Eric and I, kind of uh, pontificating at the top of the hour. If you're Daryl Morey, do you do you do you make a hard play? Uh, your colleague Brian Windhorst said everything is in right now. This is all negotiation. Everything that you hear Brian, in the media Brian and out correct. there. Yeah, Brian is okay. correct. So, that being said, Tim, if you're Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid is rolling the way he is, do you, you did, as did, Eric I'll was saying, do you, you kind of stop waste you. the I'll year stop. or not? No, I'll stop you right now. They have to do a trade now. They have to. If they, if they can get James Harden now, they have to do it. I mean, look. Look at what happened last night, Jonesy, right? They're playing the Suns. Suns are on the second night of a back-to-back. Sixers play well in the game. And the Suns just took over down the stretch and won the game, right? Like, just basically said, yeah, we're better than you guys. We're going to win the game. Went out and won the game. And, look, the Sixers had a really nice season. Joel Embiid is playing great. But they have no shot to win right now. None. They're not winning anything. Maybe they can win a series, um, but they can't win multiple series. If they got to play a team like Miami or Milwaukee, they're going to lose in five or six games. The season's going to end. So if they can get James Harden now, like, look, I think I've said publicly, I think the James Harden thing long-term is going to be a disaster. But if you can get James Harden now and have him for another playoff run earlier on, I, I would be very happy to do that because the alternative is, you go through the rest of the season. You almost certainly don't have Ben Simmons play. You have a thirty-five million dollar hole on your roster. You then lose in the playoffs. Now maybe you get James Harden this summer, but it's going to cost you a bunch of assets to move people around to do that. And then you have to go a whole other calendar year before you get back to the playoffs when you're going to try to win something. So for mm-hmm. Philly, I don't think there's any question that they should make a deal now if there's one to be made. I think the question is, can these two sides with you know, like I said, a lot of animosity involved get to a place where they can come to an agreement on a deal that that works that everybody can walk away from and feel like they got something out of it. So, Tim, we at least, I don't know about you or others, but we keep focusing primarily on the Philadelphia side of things and the possibility of James Harden joining Joel Embiid. What does it look like on the other side, you think, if, and again, we underscore, if a deal like this went down and Ben Simmons is now in Brooklyn with, we assume, obviously, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving still there. Like, How does it look for the Nets? I really like it for the Nets, honestly. I would do it if I was the Nets. I've been saying this for a while. I mean, James Harden is going on 33 years old. He wants to get a $200 million extension. They'll be paid, I think my my colleague Bobby Marks said he's going to be paid $61 million when he's 38 years old. That's going to be a disaster. I mean, I, I just, you know, Ben Simmons has his flaws, but... He's seven years younger. He's a dynamic defensive player. He can get out in the open court and make plays. Um, he can he can play a small ball center role for them. Look, it, they certainly don't need him to shoot in the fourth quarters of games when you've got Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving taking shots, right? They'll take all the shots. You don't have to worry about that. So I think the basketball fit is pretty good. Um, he's cheaper. He's signed for four years. Um, so I, I really like this fit. And, look, the other thing, too, is if it doesn't work, there are a lot of teams interested in Ben Simmons. I think they could turn around and move Ben Simmons for other stuff if they decide they want to later. I don't – look around the league, guys. How many teams are interested in trading for James Hart? I think it's a pretty short list at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to me, if I'm the Nets, 
like given how ugly the situation is getting, if I could get Ben Simmons and some other stuff out of Philly now, I'd take that deal. And I'd say, all right, I'll take Ben Simmons and, you know, I'll give it a run and, and then see this summer what we can do to, to retool this roster. But given how much they gave up for James Harden in the first place, you know, if, if they think there's any chance he's going to just walk away this summer, I, I certainly think it makes sense for them to get, you know, assets back for him now and give themselves a chance here down the stretch. Uh, uh, Tim, the other thing, too, is if you do, and uh, again, you know, we're, we're kind of like the NCAA tournament here, maybe picking games that will never be played and, and saying things that will never happen. But if you get Ben Simmons alongside Kevin Durant, uh, no matter what antics Kyrie Irving carries out, you have a guy who at least, you know, Ben Simmons is, is, is a good number two, a good, a good Robin to Kevin Durant. Yep. No question. I think it'd be a great fit. Like I said, I, I think it'd be a great fit. I, I really do. I, I think, you know, Simmons has his flaws, but um, playing next to Durant, most of them will get masked. And on top of that, look, I mean, it's, it, to me, if I'm, you know, if I'm the Nets, I look at it and say, yeah, we play in New York City, but we're basically Sacramento, right? They have no attention. Nobody's focused on them. Like internally, I mean, like in New York City. They get a lot more attention outside of New York City than in it. So you can, if you're Ben Simmons, you can have the benefits of living in New York City without the scrutiny that comes with it. So I, I think that's a win too. So, um, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. Honestly, I, I think I think it'll work out pretty well. And and as we've seen, you know, this James Harden situation in Brooklyn is not going well. And there's certainly some animosity there at this point. I think, and um, you know, it's just. If this doesn't get done, it just feels like it's going to be a very messy situation on both sides, and it seems like it would behoove both to figure out a way to, to get it done and, and come away with, uh, you know, with a deal that I think makes sense for everybody. Speaking with Tim Bontemps uh, from ESPN, host of the NBA Stock Report on YouTube as well. Uh, Tim, got to ask you at least uh, for your, your sense of, of, you know, what's happening with the Raptors, not just their season, their win streak, well, but the deadline tomorrow. Why are we not the talking about the Raptors first, fellas? What are we doing? The Raptors are rolling. They might make a trade. Things are great. They, well, they, we're, we're getting to it now. That, you know, say, hey, we're not just the <laughs> Toronto guys. You know, we look at the league as well, but we got to get to the Raptors know, now. I so know. what do you I know. What do you think they might do, Tim? Like, obviously, they've got that big dangling piece of Goran Dragic, and if they don't move him, then they're stuck with, you know, having to buy out and get nothing for him. What do you think might happen with that i mean listen i i have loved watching the raptors play of late i mean it's been fun it's been fun to watch nick nurse kind of throw out some crazy lineups and you know basically just you know he's clearly just running these five guys into the ground playing them all 40 minutes a game but they're 15 and 6 i think now right in their last 21 games uh mm-hmm. playing really well um i i i they clearly are, you know, as, as Bobby Webster, you know, as you guys know, Bobby plays his cards pretty close to the vest usually, but uh, I thought it was interesting. He basically admitted what everybody sort of suspected, right? That they're interested in trying to add in the next couple of days. And, you know, look, I think, you know, with, with the combination of Dragic and either some seconds or a first, I think they have the ability to add a piece or two to give them some depth and, you know, potentially give them, you know, a little more half going down the stretch here. Cause like, look, I, I don't, I don't think Toronto is quite, you know, in the top tier, um, you know, with the, with Miami and Milwaukee, who I think are in the top tier, but like I was talking about Philly before, like I think if the Raptors play anybody else in the first round, they've got to feel like they've got a real chance to win a series. Right. And if they don't play Miami or Milwaukee in the second round, which is also possible, like, it wouldn't stun me if the Raptors can win two series if it goes that way, right? And who knows what happens after that. So, yeah, I would love to see them find a way to use that Dragic contract and use a pick or you know, either a first or a couple seconds to add a couple depth pieces and give them the ability to not be playing these guys 38, 40 minutes a night for the next two months, right? Because ultimately, they're going to wear down if they're doing that. But if they can get some depth and – and, you know, add some half to the roster. Um, you know, I think they've got a chance to really be an interesting team in the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully they're able to do that. Because, like I said, they're, they're such a unique team with the way they're built and the way these guys are playing that it's, it's been super fun to watch. And, you know, 
I wouldn't want to be playing them in the first round or second round if, if they uh, are able to add a piece. I'll tell you that. Like, seeing, you know, the way Freddie's playing, it's cool he made the all-star team. Got, you know, that three-headed monster in the front court with OG and Scotty Barnes and Pascal with as long and athletic as they are. They're flying around. Um, I mean, it's uh, it, it's been really fun to watch. And like I said, if, if they can add a piece, I, I think they've got a chance to make a run, which would be really fun. Tim, a couple a couple things there, and and we've said that too. There's nobody in the East that scares you if you're if you're Toronto, and even if you end up with Miami or Milwaukee, okay, they might beat you, but well, they're they, gonna feel it. They they're, should be. They're gonna. Yeah, they should. They're be gonna scared. go down they should swinging. Be scared of Milwaukee. <laughs> well, they should be scared hey, of Milwaukee. But, but I know what you're saying. I know. I know what you're saying. Hey, look, three and zero against them in a regular season. Milwaukee's never won a playoff series against them. Uh, hey. Maybe this is the time, but you know the Raptors are going to go down swinging and Milwaukee's going to feel that is, all of it. That's 100% true. Yep, that's 100% true. Uh, Tim, has the scent gotten um, has the scent gotten weak on Dragic? Like, I, I know the Raptors want to deal him, but for other teams out there, are they kind of saying, well, this guy hasn't played, we don't know what kind of shape he's in, what... Like what? What is the well, market out there? I would say are people interested in in getting them. I would say people are interested in getting an expiring contract, right? I think that's. I don't think there's. I mean, I, look, I, I'm pretty confident what's going to happen is if Dragic gets traded or doesn't get traded, he's going to get bought out. He's going to go play with Luke and Dallas, right? That's sort of been the expectation since he got traded in the summer. Remember. A couple of years ago, he almost got traded to Dallas in another deal, right? So I think that's sort of what everybody's expecting. Uh, I would expect that if Luca is traded, or Luca, if Goran is traded, he's going to be traded for a guy who's on a multi-year deal that the team will will be trying to get out of some money and get a draft asset and then move on from Goran, right? That's, I mean, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that Bobby said yesterday that they're looking to take it on money in future years. Right, that's the deal here. It's not can we move Dragic for some other piece, and that team is going to get Goron and be happy. Like I suspect, it's like you know, I don't want to start throwing speculative names out, but like they trade for some guy who's got multiple years left on his deal. That team gets out of some money. They bow out Goron. Goron goes to Miami. That that or it goes to Dallas. I think that's how this is going to go. Um, or I guess he could go back to Miami if he gets traded too. So one or the other, but I, I think that's the way this will play out rather than some team trading for Goron thinking he's going to help them. Right. I, I don't think that's what, I don't think that's what's in play here. Tim, we appreciate the time and the insight as always look forward to uh, chatting with you down the road. And as I, I don't know, I've probably said this for over a year now, maybe one day, one day seeing you in person. <laughs> I can't wait, guys. Uh, but it should be a fun couple days. Like I said, I, I'm I'm loving the way the Raps are playing. I really hope they make a deal. And for all of our sakes, hopefully this Ben Simmons-James Harden trade happens and we can all just talk about basketball again because that would be swell. Sounds good. Thanks, Tim. All right, Tim. All right, Thanks, man. Tim Bontemps from ESPN. And uh, you can check him out on YouTube as well, host of the NBA Stock Report on YouTube. Uh, we're, what are we, Jones? I'm trying to do the math. Always scary. But about 27 hours away-ish, roughly, from uh, the trade deadline coming. So we'll have, we'll have, uh, we'll have lots more on tomorrow's show about the deadline. And, and hopefully, you know, things are coming fast and furious and we'll have breaking news during the show that we can, you know, break down and, uh, analyze in real time. But, um, it's going to be interesting because certainly the last few days there has been a deal almost every day, you know, midday, mid-afternoon that has sent uh, many people around the league reeling and trying to figure out what's happening. And I'm still, you know, I'm still eyeballing what Portland might do. Like, I, I don't know if it's happened an hour in the offseason, but I, I'd be shocked if Dame Lillard is still in a Blazers uniform next fall. So if you can move him now as opposed to in the summertime, why not? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, the other, the only thing is, in the summertime, things open up a bit more because there's a mm -hmm. little bit more certainty. Um, and and you know, as we know, teams that don't do as well as they thought they would suddenly go, okay, well, let's let's do this. It 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 might be part of a plan B, but 
Um, I, I, I love the NBA trade deadline because unlike, I mean, baseball is not bad, but unlike, you know, hockey or, or football, uh, just because of the size of the rosters, when a guy gets dealt, it's usually a name. You know, there's, it's usually, it's not necessarily, you know, uh, just a, a guy on the end of the bench. Uh, I mean, people are looking for rotation guys that can help out. So uh, it's going to be, it always is. It's going to be interesting the next few days. And and, uh, and then it'll be interesting to see how these new teams take things on. Like last night, Indiana, you know, playing without Sabonis, you know, they, they get drilled in Atlanta. I mean, is, is Sabonis going to be, uh, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves play Sacramento tonight. Is Sabonis going to be there in time? Can he get through the physical? Like, will he play tonight? Or does Minnesota, a team that's moving up the standings and finally looking like they might, you know, make the playoffs or, 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 or have some kind of a postseason, are they licking their chops for a win? And, E, here's a question I, I wanted to ask you quickly. Do you consider being in the play-in part of the playoffs, yes or no? Uh, no. Really? You're in the conversation. You're in the conversation. Okay. Once you got to lock down a seventh or an eighth seed to be in the playoffs, don't you? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess that would be technically. But I mean, I don't know. But here's 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 the here's where there's gray area. In baseball, I guess I consider the wild card the playoffs. So I guess if the NBA game. just needs yeah. to change it, maybe they just need to change it because play-in sounds awful. So call it wild card and suddenly, hey, we're playing for the wild card. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just <laughs> phraseology, terminology. All right, we got to go. Uh, okay. We're back again tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. with more Smith and Jones. Have a good one.